Hi, this is Andy Jones. I'm Jeffrey Hampton. This is a parking lot critique of Mission Impossible 2. So yeah, we've decided to sit through uh, all the Mission Impossible movies. You know, uh, kind of not something I've really done before, like sit through and watch yeah, them all yeah. as a series. You yeah, know? I, I think that I have only seen the first two, um, and that was when I was you know, a kid, basically. I think I saw the second one in theaters, actually. Um, so I'm excited, and we're obviously going to lead into the sixth one, which is in theaters right now. So, Or hopefully it's going to still be in theaters by the <laughs> time we get to uh, see it. Yeah, you know, absolutely, but. <laughs> absolutely. So um, maybe we're just a little off thematically, but our drink tonight is still from James Bond. <laughs> still from James Bond. Well, we're doing spy-themed drinks. So uh, we actually found out that a scotch and soda I believe is uh, the most the drink drink that James Bond had the most in the novels uh, believe it or not he had it even more than the vodka martini I don't remember the scotch and soda I remember the scotch and soda I just don't remember the vodka martini as much oh, I remember books. clearly from the novel. it's definitely more in the movies for yeah, sure it's yeah. like the iconic but you know we feel like James Bond you know is, is good for a spy themed drink so uh, you know maybe does, does, does he drink drinks in Mission Impossible is there some you he, know I, I don't know I haven't noticed him drinking any I, drinks I, I have not like, either I could, like, see, I could see him be more like a like drink kind of an island beverage, like when yeah. he's on vacation or something. That's more. We're gonna have to hunt. keep. We're gonna have to keep our eyes open now to see like if he's drinking right, actively. This one's just what he's drinking. We should, but James, as far as a spy drink, you can't do wrong with James Bond. Um, so we had scotch and soda. We had an Akintoshin brand scotch, American oak. Uh, it says the packaging says vanilla and coconut with clean citrus zest from first fill bourbon casks and then we had the very uh high-end club soda fago uh you know we get we had to mix it up there mix it up yeah. just a little bit you know, know. Uh, exactly so you know i'm pretty sure that that's what they'll have at most bars it's the cheapest stuff they can find right, on that right, one right 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 <laughs> but what did you think i guess before we talk about the movie what did you think of the scotch uh and the, the scotch and soda in generally, because it's not it's not a drink that I had really had until I yeah read it's about not it one on I had James either. List. It kind of like reminded me once again of what you said about the vodka martinis, and that yeah. it was unapologetically alcoholic. Yeah, which may be my favorite description of a drink of all time <laughs> currently, and I feel this is another drink that was unapologetic. Yeah, well, see, I feel like if you mix it kind of heavier on the scotch end, it's sort of it almost is like you're just drinking like soda water with a bit of scotch. I guess it depends on how much you... I think the mm. ones we made were pretty strong. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I had some other ones uh, over this past weekend that I think I mixed a little bit with a lighter hand, had ice. Um, and then that carbonation just, it's like, man, I don't know. I, it really I, did it for me. Yeah. yeah. You know? I like it. I like it. I prefer scotch um, much more than I do vodka i think scotch is kind of my liquor it's kind of got the flavor you know yeah, like yeah. Uh, i'm more of, always been more of a whiskey guy for, <laughs> for whatever reason i know i started as a vodka guy but i yeah. think the older i've gotten the more i'm just like Meh, nah. <laughs> right 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 it's like window cleaner i, I mean I, supposedly clear i've heard that clear uh our liquors are actually better for you <laughs> than whiskey and and stuff so i don't know i mean <laughs> even if it tastes like antiseptic to me, I guess all alcohol kind of does. 
Uh, a little bit, but but yeah. So um, that's what we drank, and we watched John Woo's classic Mission Impossible Two. Now I think the funny thing on this one is is like the consensus definitely is it's the bad one in the film series. Like it's yeah. not even just oh it's the not as good one. It it's the bad one in the film series. You know, <laughs> like uh, yeah. I know a lot of people who. Um, definitely do not seem to like that movie out of all of them. Yeah, I think when I was a kid, I was really into the first one, and when I saw the second one, I was not as into it. It was just like, um, yeah, it just didn't work for me, I think. Uh, Which is weird, because as an adult, I'm like, this was a good time, you know, like, I don't know. Well, Um, I, I enjoyed it a lot as a kid, you know, I mean, it was before I really, like... You know, it is the sequel, and it does mostly just do a lot of stuff that we saw in the first one, but it's trying to be bigger, oh, like, absolutely. on every front, absolutely. you know? Yeah. Um, but I actually really enjoyed it when it first came out, you know? I liked a lot of the action in it. Um, hadn't seen it in a long time, but you know what? I still kind of really enjoyed yeah, it this time you know, I watched it. I had a lot of fun with it as well. It's certainly, I think, the... It lacks some of the intelligence that the first one has, uh, no pun intended. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I mean, it's not as subtle, um, or it's not subtle at all. <laughs> I mean, it's very big. Yeah, I don't think there's any moment of subtlety in that movie. Yeah, but like we were saying, I think, like, that kind of works for me. Like, I think that um, we were talking about character development, and sort of there's like, not a lot of character development. It just sort of doubles down on tropes mm-hmm. that you see in other films. Uh, well, like with um, his love interest. For yeah, the movie. exactly. Well, oh gosh, I barely Naya. remember. Yeah, Naya. I barely Naya remember Nordal her name. Paul, I believe uh, yeah. Is what it was. yeah, I barely remember her name. I remember her function in the story more than I remember her name. Sure, yeah. Know? Well, and yeah, and that like we're actually we're gonna I think. You know, I think we can do a spoiler-free review on this. If one, you but, haven't seen uh, it, but no, 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 I'm not. Not that like, not that I'm saying. There's a few twists that I think in the first review. I think we needed to get into those in order to talk mm-hmm. about, say, make certain points of the film. Unless, unless you feel like you really need to reveal like the. Not not everything, but I just mean that... I'm, I'm not too worried because yeah. this is also still like a 20-year-old movie. <laughs> it is, okay. If, if, if people are going to watch it, there's you know we're not going to have stopped them. We might have a few spoilers. Uh, we can give a spoiler warning right here, you know, so hey, um, I would say listen to us okay. and then go watch the movie, but okay. if not, so, if you really feel you want to, you know... <laughs> well, I will say, like, we'll try to evade most of the spoilers, but definitely watch the movie before listening to our commentary on it um but i was gonna say you know i don't think this is a spoiler uh but like you know it it starts naya nordoff hall um is a thief and basically she uh is was involved with the antagonist of the film ambrose sean ambrose sean ambrose yeah okay uh scott or sean or something yeah yeah. i believe it's sean ambrose but Naya was involved with him and is basically uh, recruited um, to resume their relationship so that yeah. they can kind of get in there. You right. Know, right. Like, but it's part of the plan to mm-hmm. sort of um, foil his plans of antagonism. Uh, and it does have the very, like, you know, it's very much a movie trope kind of relationship. Like, they meet, 
they quickly fall in love. We don't really see they the have details a car accident that. and then fall in love. That is, you know, I mean, of course, this is not Sean yeah. Ambrose. This is uh, Ethan Hunt, yeah, Tom Ethan Cruise's Hunt. character. Yeah. They have this car wreck, you know, because yeah. she really wants nothing to do with them until this car wreck. We get some John Woo stylistic slow motion, you know, and yeah. then all of a sudden they're both just like, "Yep, we're in love." Yeah, and I think what what we we both kind of it seemed like we both agreed on was sort of like. That, that's about the right amount of if you're not gonna have a sort of in-depth story or, or, or whatever like it kind of worked for me because it was they didn't really try at all like if they, <laughs> I think if they had tried a little bit then it would have been like oh this is this is bullshit I don't believe this but I was just <laughs> like okay it says they're in love I accept this in this movie <laughs> like like I don't know I think because it was just so immediate and obvious about the tropes it kind of worked mm-hmm. you know is, is, is would you agree with that i i would agree like i mean i went into this movie like still knowing that it was an amusement park ride and i really always right, hate right. When, i really hate when people do sometimes say on a movie oh it's just a popcorn flick yeah but that's kind of what i'm saying sure, right now right, right. um it, it was very stylistically assured of itself it knew yeah. what it was it you know it knew that it it knew that it was an amusement park ride, and so I was kind of just more willing to go along with it, you no, know, for absolutely. all of its yeah. absurdities, and you know, yeah. And I think that but I they're really agree. fun yeah. absurdities too at points, you right? Know, uh, yeah, and I think that it was very fun and and very big. Um, got that John Woo style. Um, so yeah, no, I agree. Now, did you know about the doves before we watched about this movie? I think you had mentioned the doves. I don't <laughs> think I've actually seen another. John Woo film aside from this which I, I would really like to rectify that and like love to see Hard Boiled um, I need to I've seen parts of Face Off my mom and my sisters <laughs> specifically really loved that movie uh, so it was on a lot when I was growing up but I never sat down and watched the whole thing I know that one seems to be one that has improved the reputation has improved over time it's yeah, I think kind of a yeah, cult favorite. it is a cult favorite, and you know the performances are so over the top from the leads in that one, that that also kind of helps with that own film's like yeah. exaggerated style. Um, I really feel like both uh, Mission Impossible Two and Face Off, they're both dated movies to like '90s action style. You know, yeah. I mean, <laughs> on that sense, they are both very much in the '90s. Um, I think the only thing I felt Mission Impossible 2 was missing in comparison to that was yeah. uh, just Nicolas Cage and John Travolta both being <laughs> batshit insane. You know? <laughs> right. And Tom Cruise, Tom, Cruise, Tom Cruise has a reputation for being unstable. but um, This is kind of before that, too. Yeah. You know? I mean, like, we kind of got something was going on, you know, like, much, we, we yeah. started thinking something's going on because we're like, oh, yeah, he's got the long hair in this one. That's a little odd, you know? Yeah, I was like, going to say, the long hair, uh, <laughs> he has that long 90s hair. Uh, it was cool to see Tom Cruise rocking some long hair. He doesn't pull it off quite as well as I do, but <laughs> but he's pretty good. Um, no. Uh, though, if, uh, you know, I think a few things to mention, though, about this movie stylistically that I really liked. And, and they're, I, I, obviously, I don't think they're intentional or anything like that. But, you know, we get to, um, you know, some of the fight scenes, and especially like that ending confrontation between Ethan Hunt and Sean Ambrose. Yeah. I was like, oh, good gosh, this is a live-action version of Cowboy Bebop right now. Like, his <laughs> fight style was, like, very similar to Spike at yeah, that one. Yeah, I, I, like, <laughs> I can see that. 
Um, and you mentioned fight scenes. I guess this is the first where it really sinks in. They make a point about how Ethan Hunt attempts to be non-lethal. Like, he, I mean, he will kill if it's absolutely Oh, insane, yeah. And, like, uh, they, they mention he would just, like... I think the specific line is, is something about how he would just do some death-defying stunt yeah. way before he would risk actually killing someone right, if he can. Right. Like, uh, and this that movie actually does, for the most part, go along with that notion that he does not try to kill. You know, yeah, through yeah. A most... There's a few people, you know, I think, towards the end yeah. where he's, like, kind of, like, definitely taking him out. But, like, he does try to kind of avoid killing Right, right. And I think that's... that's I love that. Um... You know, I'm all about stuff like that, and and um, you said that this carries over to the other films. This, from what I remember, or... at least, you know, at least that I remember. Okay, I know it's, okay. uh, you know, so my, I guess we'll, we'll find, we'll out, find out. But, but I do feel it kind of was something. I don't think it's quite as overt in this film, where they very much have the character saying, "Oh, here's his character motivation right, right, right here." You know, yeah. and then we see that several times, um, and. Uh, this is contrasted, I think, with John Ambrose. It's pretty obviously contrasted with him, who is abusive and violent towards, you know, there's a scene, this is Everybody. fairly early in the film, yeah. so spoiler, but um, this is a scene where he is very cruel to one of his henchmen. Um, I guess we'll, yeah. should we leave it at that? Or let them, uh, or I, you want to just say? You know what? He tries to cut off the, he cuts off the tip of the guy's there finger. For, for suggesting that, oh, hey, his uh, ex-girlfriend may not be there because she just wants him. Right, you know? good point. I forgot that that's why he does that. Um, and his, he's his trying whole, to help him out. And his whole reason is it's just like, oh, yeah, I, I kind of figured, but, you know, I'm going to have fun anyway, and, uh, yeah, now I'm going to cut your finger off. Right, you know? yeah, <laughs> like it's, yeah. With uh, a cigar clipper. Ooh, that, that's still <laughs> painful to think about. Yeah. Like, it's... <laughs> yeah, um... Yeah. One thing I know that movie does is is that, you know, it is the sequel and everything is exaggerated. You know, yeah. you like the face mask from the first one? <laughs> that was really cool. You know what? We're going to do that like every five minutes now. Yeah. Well, this is the director of Face Off, so it's appropriate, <laughs> right? Oh, man. Yeah. Um, and then you meant we talked a little bit about the doves who are... First, you get the pigeons. And it's like... Wait, aren't they kind of like in an underground sort of uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, network? Uh, and then like the doves pop up. But I then you get the doves. You wow. know, yeah. But it looks cool. I mean, just and go, I think it's you so, just got to roll with it. I think it's so hilarious that the doves are in the DVD menu. Oh, wow. Like, yeah. Remember, yeah. like, there's a picture of Tom Cruise with that on the side. There's, like, a bunch of doves. They are, like, so That's self-aware wild. of that. It's, and they're in, like, Australia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think I mean, uh, all of the it. doves in Australia? I mean, I guess they're birds everywhere, right? I don't know. Uh, it I, didn't I, matter. Yeah, he wanted doves. Yes. <laughs> it doesn't matter if the doves are in... Maybe there are doves in Australia. Like, I... I like, obviously... I don't know. I need to educate myself on birds. Because I feel like I don't see doves around here. But maybe I'm just not... I don't know. I've definitely seen pigeons, especially up in Chicago. Some big ass pigeons up there. You remember that? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Some some sizable pigeons. I feel like they're bigger than pigeons in Evansville. Um, but yeah. But at but, any uh, rate, first the pigeons come. They're the like the pregame setup. 
Then the doves. Yeah, and you, you don't know? see them until, like, you know, our hero struts across the scene, and then all of a sudden there's some slow motion doves flying, yeah, yeah. and it's... <laughs> that was fun, that was fun. Um, I, you know, I do think it's funny that, like, they did, like, obviously this one is kind of more of a holdover between the Mission Impossible movies, because there's always something where, like... Tom Cruise seems to be have to hanging off something in these movies, you yeah. know, like a, a tower, a building, or so you know. And well, there was uh, those cliffs in the opening sequence. Well, I'm thinking more that uh, sequence in the middle where he has to drop down to the middle of that building, like oh, forty right. stories yeah, or yeah, something yeah. like that. Like, <laughs> and I mean, I do think like that maybe the technology had improved between the first and the second one. I feel like in terms of some of the. CGI action or green screen action sequences, it's a little bit less dated than the first one. And like I that think train the, sequence near mm-hmm. the end feels a little bit more dated than this one. Yeah, I think also the first one um, was a much more grounded um, outing. You know, I mean, yeah, like yeah. none of the action um, is overly stylized to right, anyone way or right. another. It is well, kind of like much more of a thriller or an intrigue story than it is um, well, yeah, action. And I, yeah, and I, th- I agree, and I think that the action's a little more incidental to the first one, so it doesn't matter as much. Mm. Um, and even this hair in the first one is a little more... Dated? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm just thinking about because I think he has long hair in this... You know, long hair comes and goes. I and almost, I almost think that what I makes feel like Brad Pitt was wearing a similar cut <laughs> a couple of years ago. But I think what helps this one maybe feel less dated is yeah. that it's super dated. Like, it, <laughs> I don't know if that makes any sense. No, but, no, yeah. like it's such a product of the 90s it doesn't feel like you know I think on the first one you're right there are bits of it that do feel dated but this one's like such a product of the 90s that like it's almost just like eh it's you know it's or was this the 90s or was it like early 2000s oh no it was it was still the 90s like like, uh, late 90s by this point okay okay um we're gonna verify that (laughs) we're gonna verify that while Andy keeps us all you know uh, entertained with his musings on Mission Impossible well, I was going to get into, here would be my one significant criticism of it. Uh, and I think we talked about this a little bit as the movie was going on, and you had some insightful things to say about it, but I think the characterization of Naya, um, like, I really liked her. I mean, I liked her overall. I think she's great. I hope they, you know, if I don't know, if they want to bring her back as a character, I think that would be awesome. Um, I think you were the one that made this, you put it better than I did when you said, she starts out as an empowered uh, female character, and then midway through she becomes a damsel in distress, just kind of like out of nowhere. Um, and I think, you know, so that's sort of, I don't know, like they did get weird, like they <laughs> had her sort of uh, like, well, I mean, like went, when got we... real like Ophelia from Shakespeare, like I'm gonna like, woe is me and I'm gonna jump off of this uh, cliff there are some plot reasons well I mean the, the plot reason There's, the, the contextual it's not just out of yeah, nowhere but you know the plot reasons for that like are like almost like that was almost like more empowering to her character getting to basically make that choice with no yeah um, I don't yeah you don't know and of course then, uh, the choice that she makes which we won't yeah. Oh, well, we can ruin it. It's, That's it, right. Okay. I do have the release date, though. Okay, this movie is actually May 24th of the year 2000. 
Okay. But it feels like mm. such a 90s. Well, that is. I mean, you know, that's like the 2010 got started. Yeah, yeah. This is the culmination of all things 90s, including Limp Biscuit on the title track. <laughs> um, Limp Biscuit playing the Mission Impossible theme. That's right, like, if you can believe that. Um, but back to Naya, like, you know, one of the big plots of the film is, is that they're trying to stop this uh, virus that's yeah. created. You find out that a this, contact... Yeah, this of, is the, the major yeah. spoiler, so if you don't... This would be the point to turn off if you want to watch the film first. Yeah, all right. The uh, what we're revealed to early on is that there was a uh, an old contact of Ethan Hunt's is transferring both a virus and a cure. Yeah. They don't really tell us exactly, but I do feel it was implied that they essentially created the virus so that they could sell the cure. Yeah, a pharmaceutical. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, they lose it, but like when. Ethan Hunt goes to get it, and they can't both get out. You know, to kind of protect herself, she kind of injects the virus into herself, and then there's right, kind of a right. ticking time clock. And if that time clock runs out, she's just going to kill herself. Right, and that was a cool moment when she injects the virus to herself. Like, I don't have a problem with that. Um, but it's I like guess it's just the way it was written. After it's all the that stuff that's after of... her introduction between that, where it's like she did go from this thief who was very capable we see that like she breaks into the place you know he has to make her think she's failed you know yeah um to basically a damsel in distress who like needs him to like get her out of there and it's like you're a thief you you should actually be able to do that yeah like on your own and that's not me shit talking the character the uh the actress um who was it that can you look that up oh man I know it's, I know she's in uh, I know she is in uh, Westworld. Oh, okay. Um, the now, show, the currently. new show. Okay, awesome. Yeah. Uh, uh, Thandy Newton. Thandy Newton. Yeah, that's what it looks like. Yeah. yeah. Uh, if I pronounce that wrong, I apologize. Yeah. Sorry, uh, we do apologize. Uh, no, and I mean I like great performance and I like the character. I just you know I think maybe she deserved a little better near the end. <laughs> uh, although you know there are some contextual reasons why it turned out that way but um but yeah i think that um but this is really not a movie about you know we've talked about characters it's a movie about tropes no yeah it's like yeah and she's there too yeah they kind of they they kind of tropes mixed up they kind of you know brought in two tropes it's like yeah we could have used one or the other you know like yeah um you know what i i think it's funny though one thing i always thought was cool is just they got Anthony Hopkins in this oh, movie. Oh, yeah. It's like I, they're... Yeah, I, I, You know, they, they always seem to change the leader of the IMF or who's, like, their boss, yeah. you know. I know in the first one, I don't even know the actor's name. Yeah. But in this one, it's uh, Anthony Hopkins. And I know later it's Alec Baldwin for a couple movies, but... That's crazy. Um, yeah, Anthony Hopkins is kind of a lot of fun in this one. I think he seems to be having more fun than some of the rest of them. Yeah. No, Anthony Hopkins was great, and he had, I'll let you, you know, what was the line? Oh, it is my favorite line of the whole movie. I yeah. I, I don't know That's if it's... It. It's got to be one of the best in the franchise. It's I don't know defines, if it's like a yeah. four-wall-breaking type line, but it's, uh, he's talking about recu- recruiting Naya, and Tom Cruise is very, or Ethan Hunt's very much like, oh, I don't know if I could do that, I feel yeah. wrong, and then he says, oh, is it going to be difficult? And he says, yes, very and he looks at him with a completely serious face and says, well, this is Mission Impossible, not Mission Difficult. 
difficult should be a walk in the park. Yeah. And it cracks me up every time. Wait, doesn't, doesn't Ethan Hunt say it's, it's impossible or something? Oh, no, he says it's going to be oh, difficult, okay, and that's difficult. his comeback as well. This is Mission Impossible, not Mission <laughs> Difficult. <laughs> you know? that's difficult just, should be a walk in the park, oh, which is great. Yeah. And it's such, you know, he's winking at the camera, might as well be, but yeah. uh, he says it with such conviction and seriousness, it's kind of... It makes me laugh every time. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's great. And um, I think that kind of seems to define the franchise as a whole. So, <laughs> um, so yeah. And, um, yeah. So, so do you have some, any? Oh, do, do you have any, any? Do you have any more thoughts about this movie? No, I mean, I think I'm interested in, just to recap, I'm interested in seeing uh, the differences between the first and second one. Well, I guess the question is, do you think it's, better or worse than the first one ooh okay so in the long run um, on ranking these the thing is with me and I'm, I may have an unpopular opinion of this one and we'll kind of see if it holds up when we get to it next but 3 Mission Impossible 3 was the one that I felt was the weak link okay um, so the thing is, is I do not think this one's better than the first one. Right, yeah. I think, um, despite it being a very fun romp, you know, yeah. and, it, and it's very fun to see that character and stuff taken through, like, that style of John Woo, I feel I overall just enjoy the first one more for being kind of more of a spy story, more of yeah, a, yeah. you know, more about the mystery, the intrigue, you know, um, right. the tension of, like, the scene in Langley where he's just hanging down, like, um, they still, in this one, they definitely just cannot get things that tense, you know, yeah, as um, yeah. they did in the first one. I agree, and I think that I would also give the point to the first one Despite that I pointed out a few ways in which the first one seems a little more dated, I think that ultimately it's it's a more intelligent film. And I think that, uh, you know, my favorite part, the big reveal in the first one, which I talked about in our uh, parking lot critique for that one, uh, we had we talked about that uh, reveal, and it's, it's done with this kind of, there's a lot of complexity to the way that was depicted. Uh, you know, and, and I think that that's definitely something that's not present in this film. <laughs> yeah, uh, which is this one was a lot of fun. Uh, I had a blast with it. I would recommend it. Um, but you know, ultimately, I have to give the point to the first one as well. So, uh, what rating would you give this one? I would get. I see. Now I say that I don't remember what number I did for the first one, um, but I, I'm gonna say seven. Pre-game pigeons out of ten. Seven pre-game pigeons out of ten. <laughs> oh man, I am gonna have to give it. Let's see. Also seven. Really close knives to the eye. Really close knives. That's good. That's a good one. Out of out of ten as well. Oh, right, right on. No, yeah, that but, was that was uh, like for, yeah. yeah. There's another. There's this really over the top scene where he tries to sh- you know stab him with a knife, and it just almost gets yeah, him. But it's, it's really yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember that now that you mention it. Um, and would you recommend it? I think for anyone who you know wants to both see the series, but also wants kind of just you know a fun movie, you know, kind of either from the yeah. '90s or just with some fun action. Yeah, it's a perfectly good watch. Yeah, I agree. I think it is definitely something you need to, you know, accept 
that it's not the most complex thing in the world. You gotta be in the mood. Yeah, I think this one needs a qualifier. You gotta be in the mood for that kind of movie. It'd be a good, like, late night, hanging out with some friends or ordering a pizza kind of movie. Or or drinking. Kind of like we were. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Good drinking movie. Drink... (laughs) Uh, to have a drink every time somebody removes a mask. <laughs> oh man, that's what, we should start doing those. Make little drinking games. We should, yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So, but every time it removes a mask, is like a whole drink. I think. I mean, that's yeah, like, like the moment. It's only like five they, or six they, times. Well, but they do, compared to the first it's one, a lot. like they they do it over and over. They're like, oh, people thought that was cool. Right. Oh yeah, he even dresses somebody else up in a mask of his face. <laughs> yeah. That's like the ultimate. <laughs> He takes someone captive and switches places with them. How does he come up with a mask for that dude's face oh, so gosh. quickly? <laughs> don't don't ask questions like that. Uh, don't ask questions I like that. I think eventually they show us how they make those masks. Okay, okay. You know. Now I just now was like, man, that was really quick. No, I think he, oh, no. He kidnaps the henchman. Mm-hmm. Ambrose's henchman and puts that guy in the mask of his face, and then he wears the mask of that guy's face. Well, I don't know. Maybe it's one thing to think of. I do know, like, well, the specific thing mentioned is the reason, you know, Sean Ambrose had just went rogue on the very mission, you know, yeah. after that one. And he was called in several times specifically to play Ethan Hunt whenever he's not around. Yeah. So maybe he just had, like, maybe you know, a room of masks, yeah. you know, that he could pull off oh, the wall. Oh, so maybe he got this from Ambrose's room of masks. Or maybe he just knew the people involved that scoped him out and he brought the masks. It doesn't really matter. Like, don't don't worry too much about stuff like that if you watch this. <laughs> and don't watch this if you do worry too much about stuff like this. Yeah, definitely don't watch this if you do worry. <laughs> but we, we recommend it um, in the end, right? Mm-hmm, I think okay. we both do. Okay, so. All right, well, the next one we watch will be... J.J. Uh, Abrams, oh, Mission shit. Impossible 3. All right, I'm excited to do that. So. All right. Um, so I guess, yeah, this is uh, Jeffrey Hampton. This is Andy Jones. Signing up for Parking Lot Critiques. Yeah, Mission Impossible 2. Thanks for listening. <laughs>